Welcome back to the Get Unstuck and On Target podcast. I'm Mike O'Neill with Bench Builders, and as a coach, I work with owners and leaders who are trying to grow their business, but they're struggling. Most often, they're struggling with people, process, or planning problems. Joining me today is Nation Guyton. Nation is the founder of the MLB Coaching Program. MLB Coaching addresses mind, life, and business. So I want to welcome the developer, Nation Guyton. Welcome. Thank you, Mike. It's a pleasure being on this on your podcast. I like what you're doing. And so it's, it's an honor just to be here. For those who are watching this on YouTube, they see it reads Nation, the developer, Guyton. And so it just makes logical sense. Why don't we start with that? Tell me a little bit about this term, the developer. Why has that stuck with you? Well, that stuck with me, Mike. When I on a tip, I went to a retreat. It's an it's a retreat called Injuries. Or anyone has actually been through. It's through a Christian organization. It was actually at the church I was attending at the time. And we go out for three three days, and we do this un, unpacking of who are, who we are on a spiritual level. And one of the and one of the segments inside of there, there's this part in the Bible where God gives you a white rock a white rock name. So we're sitting in the classroom, and before we even get dismissed, God has already spoken to me, told me what the name is. It's a developer. So we get about an hour and 20 minutes to go out into the wilderness by ourselves with the, in, in nature, seeking gods for our new name. Well, I'm, I'm arguing the whole hour and maybe 10, 20 minutes with God but right before the, the bell rings to come back to the class about this name because I had the name before I left the room. And I'm arguing and I'm arguing. And then finally, God takes him to a scripture where he says, and it reads the last part of the scripture, reads, what about this? Don't you understand? And I knew at that point, the father stopped talking to me. And he says, that's the name. That was in 2016. Fast forward, I didn't start embracing the name to 2020 because I still was in arguments. I was looking for other words, other ways to describe the developer. And it, it just, I really embraced it after looking at going through the, the coming to the tail end of the pandemic if we want to say we're actually out of it, we're still in that process. But coming to the tail of the pandemic, and, and I just kind of started to feel comfortable with the developer. And so I said, you know what? I'm going to just embrace this and see, Lord, what you want me to do with this. So I, I put it on everything and just put it on everything. And it just stuck. So when I put my name out, which is the, another unique thing about that is my middle initial is actually D. So if I put Nation D, people say, oh, that means developer now. Great. It's perfect. So I embraced it, but I fought it because it, I didn't like the way it sounded. It didn't sound like a name. It sounded more like a title. Mm. And so me and the father had, a, like I said, a, a long argument. But, you know, as anyone who's following the Holy Spirit, the father always wins. <laughs> well, Nation, this might surprise people because in light of what you just shared, the topic that we're going to talk about might sound like it's maybe contradictory to what we just kind of talked about, and mm -hmm. that is a bit of your spiritual walk, because the, the topic we're going with is the F-bomb, mm, unearthing yes. and disarming anxiety landmines in everyday life. Now, for those who think, oh, Mike, you're jeopardizing your G rating for this podcast, worry not. But the F-bomb, we're treating that F as fear. And so Absolutely. may I share a quote from some information that you uh have online and it mm -hmm. reads fear is a dream killer 
It can paralyze you and make you rethink everything you have already accomplished. Overcoming fear is paramount to your ultimate success. Don't be afraid to try anything new or change your strategy. Work your plan. What's preventing you from achieving your goals? What makes you feel insecure? And whom do you need to rally around to move forward? Now, I took that off your website, the MLB Coaching website, and I think it obviously kind of clarifies how you can come alongside your clients in dealing with the F-bomb, fear. Mm. What is it about fear that paralyzes? Well, there's two types of fear. There is the clear and present danger fear, which is the fear of an animal coming at you. You think about our, we go back to our native, our primal brain is we had that fear. So it's fight, fight, freeze, or flight. Mm-hmm. All right. So we have, there's, there's two fights in us. One is like, okay, I can, I can, I can run to get a little space where I can fight whatever's coming at me or I can stand at that moment and fight. I can flee and I just run away and I don't, I don't stop or I freeze. Okay. So that's the typical for clear and present danger fear. That fear is real. That means, hey, there's something that can take you, take your life. You need to, you need to respond accordingly. But then there's the anxiety fear. And that's the F dot E dot A dot R type fear, which is a false events appearing real, where we create this fear in our head by over thinking about something consistently. And then that overthinking about it or or that unsurety of something builds up this anxiety. And when that anxiety comes up, it creates F-bombs. And F-bombs are like landmines that you plant. If you if you're any if any one of your listeners are like historians and you know from World One and World Two, they had landmines. And what a landmine was designed to do is to create a perimeter around a particular place. So if someone went through there, it, one, it will alert them, and then secondly, it will blow them up. Mm-hmm. Well, an F-bomb is just like that. It's a fear that we've created and dropped into the ground, never, never faced that fear. So now it's sitting there. So when an opportunity comes up that feels like that fear, it explodes in our face. And that causes us to have to regroup, figure out exactly what it is that we're afraid of. And we haven't, most people don't know, well, that was a fear you placed when you were 10, when you made the statement, I will never let this. And then here you are looking at this. Now you have to be disarmed that F-bomb. Yeah, I love the way you describe it. And you kind of make reference to oftentimes the root of these things go back to an early age. As you know, our listeners are business leaders, Mm -hmm. business owners. That's right. In which ways have you found business leaders, business owners encountering or failure to encounter fear? And what has been the consequence of not effectively addressing those landmines? Well, usually the thing that's unique about an owner and or owner, executive or leader in an organization or company is that when they face fear, they become a bully. Hmm. They they force their way through. They they I call it a punch their way through. They make it where, hey, this is the way it's going to be because I'm the boss and you're going to do it. No one's actually able to call them on their fear. Because one, no one recognizes that what that is actually fear. When you're a bully, you're operating from a state of fear. 
I don't care if you're if you're a five-year-old bully or if you're a hundred-year-old bully. If you're a bully, it's a place of fear. Now, what's driving that fear requires a conversation with someone like myself to kind of unearth that. But usually that's one instance. So when I see, when I walk into an organization and I see that the leadership is pushing versus pulling versus leading, then I recognize that there's some fear in place. So once I recognize that there's fear in place, then I look at the organization and ask the folks as underneath that leader, how do you feel about coming to work every day? Do you feel heard? Do you feel connection with the leadership's agenda? Or do you feel pushed? And if I ask that question, they say, you know, I, when I started this job, I really liked the uh, company, but I kind of feel pushed. So now I ask the leadership, I say, how are you connecting to your team? Are you, are you letting them bring solutions? Or are you running the agenda all the time, every time? And they'll say, well, I'm running the agenda all the time, every time, because I need it to be done a certain way. And then I'll stop and I'll say, so tell me, what are you afraid of? And usually the leader will say, Nation, I'm not really afraid of anything. When you, according to that, I said, are you sure? Are you, are because what I'm sensing, and I, I use these words, what I'm sensing and what I'm feeling is that you're afraid to let them take the lead and that you may lose control of your business. Is that possible that that's a fear of yours? Well, I, it's a concern. It's not really a fear, but it's a concern. It's okay. And it, but if you don't let them innovate, that means you're going to stagnate. Is that is is that a true assessment? And and they'll say, yeah, that, that's a true assessment. I said, okay. So if there's stagnation in a, in in your business, what's the long term implications of that stagnation? And then they'll begin to uncover for themselves. I led them to through the questions, but they begin to uncover for themselves and they start to list off what could happen. So then I'll ask them, out of those things that you've just told me, what are you most concerned about? Then I change the verbiage from fear to concern because that's what they use. I said, what are you most concerned about? And they'll list off one or two things. I said, out of those two to three things you listed, what it would be your top concern? And then we'll start there. And then we'll go back and what's with nine times out of 10, what I find is it goes back to a past experience of why they operated the way they operated, whether it was done to them and they thought that was the way to do it, or they had they felt like an imposter and they didn't know what they were doing. So they felt that they had to throw their position and title around to get things done instead of learning how to communicate effectively with their team and run that agenda through the innovation of the team and the collaboration of the team. And once that happens, things move a lot smoother forward. But when there, I had this one client that I was, I was in the process of working with, but he never hired me. And he didn't hire me because when I began to unearth his fears and concerns, it was so tight to his identity that he wasn't ready to release it. Making a lot of money as, a, as an organization, but had a high turnover high turnover. I'm saying every couple months, losing key people every couple months, every couple months, every couple months. So I asked him, I said, is that the way you want to run your organization? And his, his response was, it's working because I'm making money. I said, okay. And I stopped talking to him mm -hmm. because he, he told me it wasn't about having a well-run organization. It was about making money for himself. And when a person's at that state, 
there's nothing you can do except for wait till the till the bottom drops out for them to be humbled enough to listen to your process and how you're doing it is not actually the results you're gonna you you want to obtain long term. You have to make some adjustments. For those who listen to this podcast, you may be surprised to learn that our conversations are not scripted. You have no idea what I'm going to ask. More no, often I, don't. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to ask because I really want to follow up and see where the conversation goes. Okay. You, you mentioned business owners and sometimes the, the fear is manifest in, in a form of bullying. Mm-hmm. I want to shift a little bit and that is a different type of fear. And that is I'm a member of a trustegrity group. And okay. for those who don't know what that is, this is a group of business owners who come together on a regular basis and we kind of act as each other's board of directors. Okay. And therefore we tap into their expertise. But the term trust equity is the marriage of the word trust and integrity. Mm-hmm. In our meeting last week, the topic of fear of sales came up. Mm. Meaning I'm a business owner and I know I have to do business development, but the recurring theme is, but I don't want to sell like a sleazy salesperson. Mm. And as a result, they just sidestep it if they can. Yes. And that can be a problem for an organization when the owner or key leader doesn't step into that role of sales because of some fear, some Mm -hmm. sense that there's landmines. You don't know this is coming, but do you ever deal with the issue of fear from a sales standpoint, fear of reaching out or fear of rejection? In what ways have you found that kind of comes to to light? It it comes to light in a lot of ways. One way, it's it's funny that you brought that up because I'm doing a 12-week workshop right now here in the Houston area. It is called Speak Like a Pro in 12 weeks. And one of the things behind it's really not really becoming a professional speaker that's the goal of it it's really presentation mastery it's a mastery of community a communication mastery so what we've done what we've developed here at best ceo and the mlb through the mlb program is when you're selling something to someone you feel sleazy and so do they hmm. because you're the whole process of selling there's this negative connotation for the, the used car salesperson. They're gonna get me. They're gonna get over on me. They're gonna con me. They're, they're gonna convince me to buy something I don't want, don't need. And so what, what we teach is not to sell. If you wanna increase your profitability, stop selling. Start presenting. And you're presenting to the audience based off what they know connected to what they don't know. So you can show them a way to get what they want through your product or your service. So when you take selling out of it and presenting and put that in its place, then the fear is gone. Now, there's another fear that will that will begin to come to the surface when it happens, and that is public speaking. Hence why we created the masterclass for Speak Like a Pro in 12 weeks to get them past that process of public speaking. Public speaking is the number one fear of any person on the planet outside of just dying abruptly. Hmm. So when you think about that, why would I fear speaking in public? Well, it goes back to on a psychological level, it goes back to the baseline of humanity. We do not want to look stupid, feel stupid, or feel insignificant. 
And what's the quickest way for, for you to look stupid and feel stupid? When you say something and the response from the audience, whomever that may be, gives you that look as though, Mike or Nation, you're pretty stupid when you said that. And that crushes our confidence to go out and speak. So what we teach is how do you get past that? How do you deal with the distractions in your head? Because it's all based on the story that we tell ourselves. Like the bully owners that we were talking about earlier, they tell themselves that this is the only way to get the things done. And so when I come into the organization, I say, do you believe that there's only one way for you to, to drive home? And it's like, no, there's a couple routes. But you take, you take the same route every day? Yes. And I'll, I'll say, why do you take that route? And they'll say, because it's efficient, because it's comfortable. I said, exactly. I said, you just told me there's another way, but you're doing this because of this way. And that goes back to how we get around sales. And when I say, what do you think about a salesperson? Oh, they're con artists. They're really good at talking people into things. I need them on my team, but however, and they come up with this whole narrative or this whole story. And I say, can I help you stop selling? And understand this, understand this quote, everyone wants to buy, but no one wants to be sold. So how can they buy if they're not sold? Through presentation. So when you present a solution based off the audience, knowing where they're having the, the, the problem, knowing where, what the goals are, and you say, here's our solution. You tell me, does this work for you? I don't sell you at that point. You sell yourself because you know, you can see, yes, this will fit what I need. So therefore I want you to help me. I said, your sales team, when you do that, your sales will go up at least 10 to 20% guaranteed because now they're comfortable. They realize they don't have to, they don't have to sell anybody. And then I say, stop looking at the numbers as an indicator of an effective salesperson. And this is where I run into the, the biggest challenge when I'm talking to owners. I say, stop tracking the numbers, start tracking the engagements. How engaged are the folks after presentation with your business? Do they call and ask more questions? Are there, they may take a while to get to that, to them saying, yes, you are my solution. But the fact that they're engaged is giving you more opportunities to show and prove that you're their solution. Now, well, I know I got I got to sales the bottom line. I got to increase the bottom line. I said, no, you need to increase the relationships and connections with those people. And that will drive the bottom line. It's a slower process initially, but once your team gets used to it, it, it speeds up rapidly. So we deal with sales by stop selling. Nation, you mentioned that it really comes down to relationships. I was posting on LinkedIn this morning and someone commented on my post and the person wrote down that it's kind of their organization's mantra, and that is trust before transaction. Mm -hmm. I had not seen that term, but it it resonated with me, and to some extent it ties perfectly back to what you just said on multiple levels, and that is you're building a relationship. You're not selling, but in building a relationship, part of doing that is helping overcome some of those perhaps fears. Right. And we talked about Absolutely. public speaking, but when you help clients have more confidence when they're speaking publicly, 
one might think that's in front of a large audience, but that public speaking could be in front of a much smaller group. And if you're going in and you just have more self-confidence about mm -hmm. this is going to be a presentation, but it, it really is, I'm putting myself out there. You, right. know, you may be talking about features and benefits of your products and service, but what they're really doing is assessing you. They're trying to decide, yes. is this someone who I want to enter into a relationship with? Absolutely. And on that public speaking piece, Mike, what I tell them is public speaking happens whenever you're talking to someone who's not you. Mm. You're in the public. That means you're exposed. It's not about how big the, the audience is. It's about the fact that you're out of your head and you're talking to someone else. You're public speaking when you're talking to your wife, to your children, to your friends. And so I asked them, I said, are you challenged talking to them? And they say, no. I say, so why not? Well, I know them. I said, hmm. So the speaking is not the problem then. It's your perception of the audience. So let's deal with your perception of the audience. Whenever you leave and you go out to speak one-on-one, -on -one, one to hundred, one to a million. The audience is what you have to know. What's the fastest way to get to know the audience? Why are they listening? Why are they here to listen to me? What do they expect? And where are they looking to grow? And you bring your presentation to answer those three. Now, you know the audience and now they get an opportunity to know you. But stop thinking that because you're in front of someone that you're that you know you're not public speaking because when you're speaking out at a restaurant you're talking we're talking at a table across from each other just you and i might and we're speaking the opportunity for others to hear our conversation is great correct it is so that puts me where in the public and when i when i when i bring it to them that way they're like oh i never thought about it and that brings the anxiety down another notch and then I say, okay, well, let me give you something else about sales, public speaking, and confidence. Sales is the results of solving any problem for someone. They bought your product. That's sales. So you don't have to worry about, are you a great salesperson? What you have to worry about is, do you have the right product or service to solve this problem of, to the, of the, for the person you're speaking to? And if you don't, then stop the presentation. Don't be afraid to say, you know what? I'm so sorry. I am not the solution to your problem. However, I am a problem solver. So let's work together to find a solution to that problem and really go out to help them find the solution. Because what that does for you is build your credibility as a human. So when you are the solution, guess what they're gonna do? They say, you know what? Mike didn't have to get a cell for me that time, but he helped me solve my problem. So I'm gonna call Mike because he's someone I can trust. He's someone who's integrous because he didn't have anything to gain. Then we move it to the next level. I said, okay, so it's not about selling. It's not about, you understand what the public is. Now let's talk about the confidence. So what's confidence? Confidence is the assurity in one's ability to do. That's it. Confidence is the assurity in one's ability to do. So then I'll, I'll ask this really, what I call elementary statement, Mike, do you know how to talk? And you'll say, yes. I said, okay. Do you know the service that you provide? 
say fairly well. Don't have to be 100, but it's fairly well. Are you like 55% in understanding your service? And you'll say yes. I said, okay, so you know how to talk and you know your service. So where are we having the disconnect when we're, when we're in front of the audience? It goes back to your perception of the audience. And then that's where we dig in. You know, thus far, we've talked about how fear kind of can work its way in with leaders. We started, mm -hmm. you gave an example by which when you find that there's almost a bully mentality, it oftentimes starts at the top mm -hmm. and that that is a way of masking a, a, a fear. So we started yes. with that. And then I raised the issue of fear of rejection in the form of sales. And so we've kind of begun to unpack that. And then you kind of worked in what all the surveys say is that most people have this fear of public speaking. Those are three examples of, of how fear can be a landmine to an individual's success, to even an organization's success. Mm -hmm. Nation, can I invite you to think about a situation where perhaps you or a client of yours got stuck? And when that happened, what did it take to get unstuck? I'll, I'll use my, myself. When I, I've been doing this this work for over 20 years. And when YouTube first hit the market, it was like 2004. And then by 2008, people kept asking me to do videos. I said, you should do a video, you should do a video. Well, I've always been behind the camera. I've been a professional photographer. I've been a videographer. I've always been behind the scenes. So 2008, someone says, you need to do a video. 2010, someone says, you need to do a video. You need to be in front of the camera. And I continue because of my fear, hmm. because I know what it takes to make a shot look good about lighting. Well, how I'm going to do that for myself, by myself, was my the, the narrative that I was telling myself. Not until now, 2022, have I actually got in front of the camera to start doing videos. And what did it take for me to get past that? It, what it took for me to get past that is my idea of perfection. Sometimes when you know so much about a product or a service, your perfection becomes your rejection, internal rejection. You say, if it's not perfect, I cannot put it out there. And then you begin to create a narrative. You begin to create excuses why that's okay. You rationalize. And so I rationalized from 2008 to now on why I shouldn't do it. So my first rationalization came this way. Who's going to listen to me anyway? First rationalization. I don't even think anybody's following anybody on this platform. Two, why do I need to do that anyway? I just rather get on a stage, have somebody else film it, have somebody else, you know, do it. So I'm continuing to rationalize why I'm not owning what the people are asking me to deliver for them. So they're saying, I see you as a solution. I need you to give it to me this way. And this is for companies that you know, your listeners understand. If, you're, if your customers and potential clients are asking you to present something to them that you have the capacity to do, stop getting stuck and begin to pivot to say, you know what? We can't offer that to you. And that opens up a whole new opportunity. So it took me 12 years of 
of de-rationalizing and eating my own medicine. Because a friend of mine that I was, well, he's also one of my clients, he says, Nation, he says, what would you tell me if I told you what you just said? And I said, I would tell you, one, you made it up. It's not real. The fear you're talking about is not real. Two, everyone's asking you to do it. Obviously, they want to see it. Three, perfection is not the key. Putting the material out there authentically is, though. And he says, okay, now eat that. And I was like, I said, okay, got it. And that's when just this year, in the last month, I started to, to start the new videos. Well, I'm glad you have done just that. When you made reference to perfectionism, I recently took an assessment and it was a two-way tie for, for number one. And that is on one hand, being a perfectionist can really be helpful yes, because you know it's gonna be done right. But taken to the extreme, it can just stop you cold in your tracks. This is episode 106. And though it might show, one of the things I was concerned about when recording a podcast is how do we go and, and edit? What if, what if they say mm -hmm. something that may or not? Right. And what people may or may not realize, there is no editing to these podcasts. Oh, and wow. that flies in the face of my natural tendency is I want it to be perfect. Right. Uh, and but who is perfect? Oh, um, wow. But what that really results in, it's more raw. And I, I just kind of like the way that kind of flows. Nation, by the way, I want to spell your first name for those who might be looking you up. Nation is spelled N-A-H-C-H-O-N, and it's Guyton, G-U-Y-T-O-N. You know, Nation, as you kind of reflect on, we've covered a variety of things, the topic mm -hmm. being the F-bomb and how to unearth and disarm those anxiety landmines. As you kind of look back on what you shared, what do you want to be closing thoughts or takeaways? I would say the closing thoughts, it's in my book, F-Bomb. You can get it on Amazon or you can go let, reach out to me and I can get it to you. The number one is seek out positive people. Hmm. Now, here's, I'm going to give you a caveat for when I say positive people. There's two types of positive people. There are the people that are full of energy. They're great. You know, hey, I love being around you. But then there's what I call the, the, the critique people. Hmm. They're the ones who make you a better person by showing you where there's holes in your process. They too are positive people, but most of us avoid them because we're they're, they're telling us me everything that's wrong. Well, no, they're positive because they're showing you how to shore up where there's a potential landmine for you in your future. So those, I wanna say that, seek out positive people. Number two, learn to be a friend to yourself. Hmm. Because the reason we, I just did it on my radio station, on my radio show yesterday, we, it's called the Mastery Lab. And we just did a segment on self-esteem. And one of the things during that whole process of understanding what self-esteem is, it's how you talk to yourself when you're by yourself, okay? And when you're by yourself, if you say things like, oh, you're so stupid, you, you, don't, you don't know what you're doing, that translates to the subconscious to tell your, your subconscious, make it true. So now you make what I call poor choices and poor decisions because you programmed yourself because you didn't become a friend to yourself. Because would you tell your friend the things you tell yourself when you're by yourself? And I would say probably wouldn't. So first, so number two is be a friend to yourself. 
learn how to communicate to yourself the way you would to a true friend. And the last one is learn to live in the present and release yourself from the past mistakes. The key about that is everything that you can change is now. Everything that you've been through is a lesson that you should learn. Learn the lesson from the past so you can release yourself from that past. Bring it to the present so you can apply it now so it will shape and move you forward in your future. What most of us do is we live in the past and we're repeating the past in our present and then we wonder why we keep getting what we've already got, always gotten in our future is because we haven't released ourselves from our past. Instead of learning the lesson, we're still there. And we're making decisions, choices, and looking at opportunities through the same filter and the same lens as we were when we were 5, 25, 35, 50, wherever you are, you're doing it that way. And this is this is probably for another, another segment, but that's how we end up with biases. Our biases are based on our past experiences, good, bad, or indifferent, why we prefer certain things, and we're afraid to look at others. Companies do it all the time. Why are you going to that vendor? Well, that vendor was always, they hear, they hear the same, has always, they always were. Then I say, okay, now, today, look at the vendor. Are they providing what your organization needs today? And they'll say, honestly, no. But Nation, I'm a loyal person. I said, I'm not saying to get rid of the vendor. I'm saying, have a conversation with the vendor so you can release your company from that past experience and bring them current so they may be able you may be able to help them help you move forward but if you don't release that past and bring it current to the present that's not going to happen so that is my great. top those top 3 are perfect and it's very clear that you are you you convey ideas in a way that is very relatable i know that you've written more than one book and yes. I'm confident as people are listening or watching, they're going to say, God, I want to reach out to Nation. What's the best way for folks to connect with you? The best way for folks to connect with me would be one to send me an email and you'll send an email at info at the MLBcoach.com. Another way is to send me a text message. And here's what you need to put in the text message so I know the text message, you'll send it to 832-273-0043, and you will say, put me in, coach. I'm from Mike O'Neill. Then I know it came from you. Put me in, coach. I'm from Mike O'Neill. And I say put me in because if you think about it, I'll give another reference. When you're on the bench watching a game and you've practiced and prepared, you want to play. So to engage with me that you're telling me by saying, put me in, coach, that you're ready to play. And now we can have a conversation to get to the next phase. Excellent. We will include that contact information in the show notes. Now, you probably saw me light up a little bit. My business is called Bench Builders, and that mm -hmm. is to prepare people not to sit on the bench, but to be able to come off the bench and to be able to say, put me in, coach. I love the way you kind of tie that together. Nation. We could have talked about a wide variety of topics. We covered the notion of fear. I want to say thank you for sharing your expertise and to sharing who you are with our audience today. 
Mike, it was a pleasure. Thank you for the opportunity. Because the one thing that I, I'm going to say this is the one thing we cannot replace, we cannot get back is the moments and the time that we spend with people. And for you to have the, to allow me to spend this moment and this time with you and your audience is greatly appreciated. So thank you. It's an honor. Well, the pleasure was mine because I also want to thank our listeners for joining us today. We upload the latest episode every Thursday to all the major platforms, including Apple and Spotify. So if you have enjoyed this episode with Nation, I invite you to please subscribe. So are you a business owner and you're trying to grow your business, but you want to make sure you've got the right people, processes, or planning systems in place so that you can grow smoothly? That's where I would invite you to reach out. If yes, let's talk. Head over to our website, bench-builders.com, to schedule a call. And on that call, we're going to talk about those growth goals that you have. And we're going to explore some practical steps that you can take now to make sure that that growth, in fact, happens. So I want to thank you for joining us. And I hope you have picked up on some tips from Nation that will help you get unstuck and on target. Until next time.